0: It's time to play like a Jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Play like a Jet. What does that mean? Here's Donald. carry it out. Deep ball. Separation. Caught.
1: Robbie Anderson. Goodbye. Touchdown,
0: Jets. The whole NFL is watching. Of fourth and ten. And here they come. Make pass catch. It's intercepted by Mosley. Down be the to top. Bell breaks tackle. Bell trying to go over touchdown Big return for Crowder. And he's going to go all the way. touchdown out 85 yards. Looking downfield, fires this one and intercepted at the 34. Jamal Adams goes down on the ground and takes it away. He'll
1: hit immediately. He yes. got the handoff. You know what?
2: <laughs> the inator Oh my gosh. Listen. Thank you. From the Vivid Seats Studios, use the promo code OVERTIME to get yourself up to 100 bucks off your very first purchase after you download the Vivid Seats mobile app. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet1. And I am joined for part three of the weekend mailbag by the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at jetsinsider.com. And of course, above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbly. So let's jump right back into the mailbag with Jets Joe 73 He says, Gentlemen, is the fan backlash on Jamal Adams the most disgusting thing you've ever seen from Jets fans? I feel like everyone bashing him for anything off the field should be embarrassed and need to find a life that doesn't revolve around what someone else does with their life. Joe, bless your heart, buddy, but you must be new here because this is nowhere near the most disgusting thing that I've seen from (laughs) Jets fans. (laughs) No, not even in the top 100. I could sit here for weeks putting together a list. Here's the story with Jamal Adams, and I talked a little bit about this with Manish the other day, but I didn't really get into my opinion on it. I think that when you're a guy who's realistically the face of the franchise, because I know that Sam Darnold is the most important piece, but Jamal Adams is the most vocal and the most visible piece, when you're the face of the franchise, you're the guy that's the leader, you're the tone setter, and you make a commitment to go and do these radio interviews every week, and then after three weeks when the going gets tough, you pull out of your commitment, it looks soft. Is it really that big of a deal if you're a fan? No. Is it something you should be super angry at Jamal Adams about? No. Does it look bad and should he have done it? No. Honor your commitments. Stand in there. Take the fire. Take the punches. Roll with them and show the rest of your teammates and the fans that you are the leader that you say you are and that you can take it in good times and bad. Again, It's not really a big deal. The only reason that this is even coming up is because the Jets are 0-3 and a lot of people are frustrated. I think that the people that are really going in heavy on Jamal Adams, although I haven't seen that many of them, those people are a little bit misguided. The ones who are expressing some disappointment in him for this, I think it's an understandable position, even if it doesn't really matter that much. That's where I'm coming at it from. Again, I'm occupying a middle ground here as I was with Gase. I totally understand why people think this was soft by Jamal Adams, but I also don't think it's that big of a deal that people should be really upset about it.
1: Yeah, I'm just going to take a, a macro approach to this whole Jamal thing because it's not like this Jamal stuff is new and it it, it, it wasn't just because of the uh, canceling the his radio spot. I, told, like, I like Jamal, I like Jamal's personality, but I totally understand why other people don't. Jamal is loud, uber confident. He's always talking about, uh, you know, the culture change. He, he's done all that type of – a bunch of times he's tweeted stuff about culture change and the rest of the league better get ready, and then he goes back and deletes those tweets after they lose a couple of games. Uh, Like, I totally get how that can rub people the wrong way. Anytime you have that type of personality, people have different personalities. They react differently to different personalities. Uh, One of the best pieces of, uh, I don't even know if I want to say advice, but one of the best things I ever heard somebody say was, no matter what you do in life, a third of the people are going to love you, a third of the people are going to hate you, and a third of the people are going to be indifferent. And that's no matter who you are, no matter what you do, that's what's going to happen. And it's because everybody else in the world is a little bit different. And they have a little bit different personalities and they like and don't like things and other people. And Jamal's again, he's talking about this culture change stuff. If Jamal came, like, let's say the, he came to the jets the year before Rex got here. And then in his second and third year, they went to back to back AFC championship games. The backlash against Jamal isn't going to be nearly what it is now. Jamal is very brash and confident and outspoken, and he says all this stuff, and that stuff starts, starts to wear on people when you're going through year three of losing, or you know, like that's going to wear on people, and people are going to tune you out, and they're going to be like, "All right, whatever you say, Jamal." Uh, like, so I totally understand that. I, not everybody has to like the personality of every other player. I like, I can understand why fans get upset that not every other fan loves them, but I totally understand why fans can be turned off by, by his personality and what he says off the field. When it comes to the radio thing, I'm always, I'm, you're never going to get me to sit here and uh, slam a player for not wanting to talk to media, especially when we're talking about like, you know, after a tough loss, I'm never going to be that guy. That's why, uh, after the game that Jumaine got benched in, I he talked in the locker room and I tweeted out about how he did a great job handling the interview. I got a bunch of responses about, oh, he's getting paid enough. Who cares? Well, the reason why I tweeted that out was because I forget which game it was, but last year he had a really bad game and he didn't want to talk to the media and all the reporters just crushed him for it. And I hated that because – and that here the moment I don't ever blame a player for being like no I don't want to deal with this I'm just not going to say something anything cuz I don't want to say something that's get get me in trouble and so if you're going to reporters are going to slam him for doing that then I'm going to go ahead and give him credit for for standing up and uh, handling it really well when he does um, so I'm fine with him canceling the this thing <laughs> um, cuz I don't really care about a players not wanting to talk to us in the media. <clears throat> I don't care if they say to me, like, no, I don't want to talk to you right now. Like I, that's, I'm never going to hold that against the player. I will say that I saw what Bart Scott said about it. And I was like, at first when I was like, Bart Scott says, something was critical of him," I was like, oh boy, Bart, what are you going to do? But then I read what he said and I was like, yeah, I can't disagree with anything that he said in that. Um, and it, and this is just one of those things, again, I don't care about it. It's not going to bother me or offend me in any type of way, but uh, Jamal knows what it is. That that's the reaction it's going to get. It's going to be looked at as a bad look backing out on it. And if you want, if you don't care about taking that bad look and eating that then cool, but it's going to be looked at that way. So, uh and yeah, again, this doesn't even register in the most disgusting things, uh, Thing Twitter has, I guarantee you, I could go scroll through my timeline right now and find 10 things way more worse than what Jamal is getting.
2: Like I said, realistically, should this matter that much to anybody? No, but he made this commitment that he was going to go on every week, all of a sudden, things start going bad, and they're 0 3. And he pulls out. It looks weak, especially considering who it is. If this was some run-of-the-mill player, then whatever. But you're talking about a guy who is always chirping. Now all of a sudden he backs down and doesn't want to be heard from again, after making a season-long commitment. And like you said, that's different than in the locker room right after the game when emotions are running high. It's a lot more understandable if a player says, I don't want to talk right now because I might say something that I'm going to regret, so I'll talk tomorrow or whatever it is that he says. But I think when you're talking about something that's a weekly commitment, it just looks weak to back out of this. And he had to know what the perception was going to be here. And so while he doesn't deserve people to trash him over it, I completely understand people saying that he looks soft for doing this.
1: Yeah, I get it too. Like I said, it's one of those things. You just, you know what it is. And every, everybody knows every single jet fan, no matter how much they love Jamal Adams. If I just say, Hey, Jamal canceled that, um, weekly radio spot, forget your own, uh, opinions on it. But you know that, Oh, immediately. Oh yeah. These people are going to kill him for it. So, Everybody knows that's what it is. So at that point, he he has every right to do it, and I'm not going to kill him for it, but you have to uh, know and understand that people do. And, again, he's done this a bunch of times where after the Detroit win last year, he tweeted out the culture change. It's here. We're going to turn this around. This is a new team. And then he went went back and deleted the tweet. So if you're going to be that, that guy who's talking and who's uber confident all the time, you kind of have to be that all the time even when things are bad it does it the perception of it is it comes off a certain way it looks like it's a lack of leadership again i'm not putting act- any actual st- stock into this that <clears throat> jamal is a bad leader i'm not saying that but that's how people are going to spin it and you, we just have to accept right now this is how the world works especially in sports It's always going to be the reaction.
2: Doesn't mean that Jamal Adams is a bad person, but I think it's certainly justified to think that this was a weak move by him. Whether it matters or not, whether you should
0: care or not, that's the reality. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME.
3: Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint.
2: Next question comes in from Sean Stalker. He says, Scott in the very big deal. Chris Nimbley, I like that Gase has held players like Tremaine Johnson accountable for his poor play despite his large salary, but I'm concerned with his own lack of accountability and willingness to blame players. Locker room dissent in Miami was a red flag. If this team starts 0-6, could the locker room blow up on him? Yeah, absolutely it could, and it could very well get worse if he keeps saying some of the things that he said. We've heard him say some things that were not so veiled shot at players like Robbie Anderson. He's talked about other players not doing their job. I think it's one thing if you say things like this to these players in private. When you call them out publicly like that, I don't know that it's a great look, especially for a guy who's brand new and looking to earn the trust of the locker room. And if they're losing, things can turn sideways very, very quickly. So yes, I think that's absolutely a legitimate concern. Hopefully, for Adam Gase's sake and for the sake of Jets fans and Jets players, this doesn't become that big of an issue because the Jets start to win some games and this tapers off a little bit. But if the losing continues and Gase continues to say the things that he said, there's no question that there's a possibility that that could happen.
1: Yeah, I'll start with the humane thing. That's that's the best uh, – That that's the, the thing, the most positive thing to come out of it, Adam Gase as the head coach so far. That's the thing I can point at and be like, that is good. To be able to identify that, especially with Bowles, one of the biggest things. Now we know Bowles did want to bench Jermaine Johnson and McCagnan wouldn't let him. But whether it was Muhammad Wilkerson, there was a bunch of other times where Bowles was way too slow and way too hesitant to bench uh, certain people. And Gase looked at it and said, yeah, we need to make this move. And it was just one game that he saw with that. That is the most positive thing to point at from the Adam Gase experience so far. However, there is the flip side of that. And, like, when he threw Robbie under the bus after that first game, that's a bad bad look. And you do that enough, that entire locker room is going to, you know, turn on you. And if that happens, then everything's a lost cause from there. So – you know, Adam Gase giveth and Adam Gase taketh away. Like, the the Tremaine thing was good, but you have to be careful about how you go about this. And even the fact that they didn't tell Tremaine that he was getting benched, um, that's not good. You Because forget about how Tremaine Johnson feels about that and how he's going to react about that. Other players aren't going to like and respect that. Even Nate Harrison, he didn't say anything about this, so I, I don't know how he feels, but I could imagine that he would look at that and be like, hey, man, that's kind of messed up. Like, you told me I was I was playing, but you couldn't have told him, so you got to turn around and do the, the same thing to me if I struggle. The least you can do is just, like, prepare and give him a heads up. Um, it, it's a tricky tightrope that coaches have to walk, and he, he didn't do a good job of that in Miami. Uh, he, had, he, he hasn't had thrown people under the bus quite like he did with Robbie the last couple of weeks. Um, but that's obviously a concern because if you get the players to turn against you and kind of want to revolt against you, it's um, going to be hard to move forward with a coach like that.
2: One thing that people have to be careful of too is I'll hear people say, well – XYZ coach does this and no one Cares and you hear this a lot with Bill Belichick Bill Belichick does this And no one cares this is sort of the Eric Mangini syndrome you Can act the way that XYZ Coach acts or Bill Belichick Acts obviously XYZ is a Stand-in for some winning coach that people Are pointing to you can do that when you yourself are winning. When you are not winning, you are not going to get any latitude or any of the benefit of the doubt. So Eric Mangini tried to be Bill Belichick without Bill Belichick's resume. Didn't work. Adam Gase is trying to do some things that might work for other coaches because they have a long... And accomplished resume, Gase doesn't, and he can't get away with those things quite as easily. So I think that Adam Gase has got to tread very carefully, and again, this is going to be a situation where we will see if he learned from his mistakes in Miami. So far, in that regard, it's not exactly gone the way that we would have hoped, but as the season wears on, hopefully he changes his ways at least a little bit. Next question comes in for me, and it's about the weather. I want to know what's going on today with all the NFL games because we've got important fantasy matchups. We've got some gambling that's going on, and we're going to talk to my brother Craig about that a little bit later on. And the weather plays a pivotal role in making the decision of who to draft for your week-to-week fantasy league and, of course, who to bet on in these games today. So for that, of course, we go to my buddy, Mr. Ed Valley, the CEO of Empire Weather. What's the weather like today?
4: Thanks, Scott. Meteorologist Ed Valley, here with your... Fantasy football weather advice for the week. Obviously, the Jets aren't playing, so we don't have to worry about watching an incompetent offense here, at least for a week. Hopefully, they can get things turned around here as we get into next week for Philadelphia. 100% chance the Jets don't lose, so that's a positive, right? (laughs) So, looking across the league, there are 15 other games that are playing, two, both at 425 on Sunday that we're watching, one of which could actually be pretty impactful. We'll start with the impactful one, Jacksonville at Denver, 425, and being in Denver, we have a storm system moving in. It's not really going to do much uh, precip-wise, but we're going to be dealing with some wind. So definitely some downside plays here. If you're a kicker, if you have Brandon McManus or Josh Lambeau, that's something to consider here because they are ranked in the top 15 for kickers, but with these winds, that could be a concern, Okay. So besides that, the passing game in both of these offenses with Garner Minshew. If you remember last week, they played in the rain in Jacksonville. And when weather was involved, we noticed that his performance late, later in the game here started to fall off compared to early on when the weather wasn't nearly as big of an issue. Now, obviously, we, we know that Joe Flacco likes, likes to let it loose. And if you have some wind issues, that could be a, an upside for Philip Lindsay for Denver. Um even Leonard Fournette, who might see a little bit more usage here compared to other weeks. So, with winds gusting 20-25, to 25, you can bet that weather could definitely be an impact here across uh, this game here over in Denver. Now, the other game, the only other issue across the league, otherwise a pretty boring weather week, to be honest, is the Minnesota at Chicago game. That's in, uh, in Chicago, 425 Sunday. We could be dealing with a little bit in the way of shower activity. So just keep an eye on your offensive weapons for both the Vikings and the Bears. If we do start seeing some of these shower risks rise a little bit, you might see a little bit of an altered game plan as we get into that game here on Sunday. So again, no Jets game, but hopefully we can get it fixed here this week. That's your fantasy football weather update. Scott, back to you.
2: Thanks, Ed. Great job, as always. And if you want to interact with Ed about the Jets, weather, or anything else, he can do so on Twitter at EdValley, E-D-V-A-L-L-E-E.
3: Where you get your podcast. Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet.
2: Next question comes in from Michael Christopher. He says, Why is Adam Gay so respected in NFL circles and not by the media or fans? What has he truly done besides that one year with a great Broncos offense to earn the kind of respect that he seems to have in the NFL? You look at the coaches that this team passed on, like Kyle Shanahan, Frank Reich, Sean McDermott. Why does it always seem that the Jets are hiring from their division instead of testing what's outside? Also, do you think Mack and Hemmerdinger will ever get hired again? And what was the issue with Bates and the wide receivers last year? I know they didn't want to talk about the offensive scheme, especially Quincy, but what was the disconnect since he was highly respected in NFL circles too? It seems all these coaches that come with great reputations like Pollock then come here and fail with the Jets. Why is that? That's a multi-layered question, so let's go through this bit by bit, Michael. First of all, as far as Adam Gase's respect in NFL circles, I think a lot of people respect his work ethic and that he's a smart football mind as far as offense. Now, remember, you can have an intelligent mind and have a great work ethic. And still, when it comes to actually piecing everything together, especially as a head coach, fall short. So we'll see if that's what Adam Gase's destiny is, because he's only been here three weeks his tenure in Miami has been hotly debated. Right now, he's not off to a great start, but we are going to find out about him real quick. Also, one thing that Chris has brought up many, many times is that the NFL is a lot about relationships, and sometimes it's not all about a meritocracy. So it could be just one of those things where Gase is connected to the right people. We've seen this before, certainly. This is why so many guys that you would think don't deserve a million chances keep getting them. As far as Mack and Hemmerdinger, getting hired again. I think there's a chance that they get hired at a much lower level than they were at before. I don't know how realistic it is to think that they're ever going to get to the positions that they were at with the Jets, but we'll see as time rolls on. Obviously, everybody's aware of how poor their reputations are around the league and what a poor job they did here with the Jets. And as far as Jeremy Bates, that's really a question for you, Chris, because I don't have any insight on that as to whether or not there were issues between the wide receivers, and he mentioned Quincy Nunwa and Jeremy Bates. Yeah. Okay.
1: So I'll I'll answer as many of these questions as, as I can and remember to, and then and the ones I forget about, you chime in after I'm done and and press me on. Um, I'll start with the case uh, and the way he's viewed. Uh, you just talked. Uh, there, obviously, there's the year that he worked with Peyton Manning. They broke records and everything. Um, but as we've talked about, it was Peyton Manning at that point. Like it, it very easy to do that, but. He does get a lot of credit for that. Obviously, his relationship with Peyton Manning also plays a heavy part in it. As we know, Christopher Johnson was basically swayed by the phone call from Peyton Manning. Um, But another part of it, uh, you talked about how I, I talk about this a lot. It's not a meritocracy. And again, when you are talking to Adam Gase, he does have a very likable personality. And I, I said this, I, I wasn't expecting it, And, but I've been, I get it. Now I see why everybody likes him and why he is highly thought of around that because he's a smart, funny guy. Uh, that does not have anything to do with how good of a coach he is, but that doesn't mean that that's not going to stop people from liking him. There's also, you look at the year that he worked with Jay Cutler, Uh, he got a lot of credit for uh, cutting down the, his interceptions there. (laughs) Well, what he really did there was he made, uh, he was conservative with Jay Cutler. So he cut down the interceptions, but he also cut down the touchdowns and the yards and everything else that went along with it. So he was more conservative with Jay Cutler, but he got a lot of credit for that. Um, I don't know how much credit he deserves for that again, because while he made him better with the turnovers, he also took away some of the big explosive plays that made Cutler good when he was good. Um, So there's a lot of that there. Um, But again, it's just mostly it's a personality uh, relationship business. He's got a good and infectious personality that people gravitate towards and people like him. And it's that simple, and uh, he has good, solid relationships built from that. <clears throat> um, as far as with Bates, uh, there's a lot of things. Number one, Quincy, Quincy didn't like the way he used him because it was just like screen after screen after screen, and it was basically just setting Quincy up to be getting these huge hits one after another with them. There was no variety to his routes. It was just very simple stuff. It was all the same stuff, and it was all within, like, a, you know, mostly within, like, a 10-yard box. And that also makes him very easy to defend. Robbie Anderson didn't like that. He was only being sent on go routes. (laughs) Um, There just wasn't enough creativity in this offense, and I've been talking about this since Brian Schottenheimer was the offensive coordinator here. When you every play you call is with just to be – played within 10 to 15 yards, that shortens the field and it makes it so much easier for defenses to defend. And it sets your receivers up to get harder hits because they're, they're not worried about being 30 yards downfield. They know everything's going to be in that box and everything's more condensed. So the the windows for the quarterback is, is shorter and are smaller. The receivers are going to take bigger hits. They're going to get stopped by a lot more people. It's not just going to be one person trying to get them. It's going to be three people. You're going to have uh, all the receivers bunched up close. So if it goes to one of them, the other two can go. Uh, defenders covering the other guys can come over and make the play much easier. Um, and so that's what it was with Bates. It was a lot of the condensed stuff, boxed in, not stretching the field. <clears throat> Quincy specifically. A lot of the, the short screens um, and just him taking a lot of punishment there. Um, as for McKagan and, and Hyman Digger, Hyman Digger I'm sure will get another shot in some capacity around the, around the league. He's got relationships. Uh, you know, his, his father was in the NFL for a while. There, there's something there. I'm sure he will. Again, I think McCagden can get a job in the NFL I don't know what that job will be. It'll certainly not be a general manager job, won't be an assistant general manager job, uh, but he could be some type of assistant in a front office, maybe some type of scout, uh, area scout type of thing. But I don't know if that's even something he wants to do at this point. So we'll have to wait and see on that.
0: Play like a jet. Play like a jet.
2: Chris will be back for the fourth and final part of the mailbag tomorrow, but for now it's Sunday morning, and you know what that means—time to try and make a couple of bucks, courtesy of our betting lines expert, professional poker player, and sportsbook better extraordinaire, my brother Craig Mason. Hey, Craig, what's going on?
5: What's up, Scott? Doing well. Just uh, getting ready to move into a new house, and I to be honest with you, I'm feeling real confident about my picks this week. I, I, there's a lot of games I like, starting to really. Get into the groove of things here in the NFL. This is uh, what we got here. Week four. So feeling confident this week.
2: I'm really glad you could take a few minutes out of your day, which was otherwise going to be consisting of you throwing your back out, lifting 200 pairs of shoes <laughs> to put into the moving truck. Yeah, you know,
5: they say during pregnancy, the woman's supposed to gain 25 to 30 pounds, but I'm, I'm right there with her.
2: <laughs> you're gaining the sympathy weight, I guess. But in the meantime, while you're gaining that sympathy weight and helping to get the move going, glad that you were able to stop for a few minutes. And tell us about your gambling picks this week Because you are now 3-0 and on your teasers You're at 500 for your individual picks But your teasers are right on the money So that's where I think that everybody's attention should be But let's start with the individual picks Who do you like in the games this week?
5: Alright, so I'm going to start it off People might be surprised by this one But believe it or not, this is actually my favorite pick of the week I love this pick uh, Listen, my... I might regret this one. I don't like to go against the Patriots usually, but I love Buffalo here. Plus seven at home. I just think, I don't know, this is the Patriots. But you know what? Division rival game, Buffalo at home plus seven just seems too good to pass up on for me.
2: Yeah, you are crazy. I definitely wouldn't pick that. But I think it would be interesting if they ended up covering. The Jets covered, so why not the Bills, right?
5: Yeah, I mean, again, This might sound even crazier, but I actually think Buffalo has a good chance to win this game outright. So I just – I don't know. I feel, like I said, division rival fans are going to be pumped up. I know it's the Patriots, but I don't know. I just have a funny feeling about this one. I think Buffalo comes to play Sunday. Beyond the Patriots
2: and Bills, what else do you have?
5: All right. This is another one I feel very confident on. I love the Giants at home, minus three against the Redskins. I mean, I watched a lot of that game last week. Daniel Jones, I mean, really impressed me. I, think, I don't think much of the Redskins. I think Giants ride off momentum of last week, and I like them again this week, minus three at home versus the Redskins. So you couldn't
2: pick the Jets this week. Instead, you've got the Giants. So, so far, we've got you picking two New York teams, the Buffalo Bills and the New York Giants. Who do you have for your third pick?
5: All right, so I'm actually going with four picks this week. I'm going all home teams. My third pick is going to be Rams at home minus nine and a half against Tampa Bay. Uh, I just think Rams have been real impressive so far. Their, their defense has just been unbelievable. And I, I don't, I, I see this game being pretty much a blowout. I, to me, the Rams are even better than they were last year. They're probably Super Bowl favorites, I mean, other than the Patriots. So I like Rams minus nine and a half at home against Tampa.
2: Tampa coming off that loss against the Giants. So you're picking the team that beat Tampa last week and the team that you expect to beat Tampa this week. You said you had four individual picks before we get to the teaser. Who's your fourth?
5: All right, so my fourth one is going to – always i I've been liking to throw in the Sunday night football games to make it interesting for the fans here. So I'm going to go with New Orleans plus 2.5 against Dallas at home. I know Dallas has been playing well. Everybody's you know all over them, but I don't know. Saints looked good last week. I I think I, I like the Saints here, plus two and a half at home. Sunday night football, like I said, I just think everybody's going to be – the fans are going to be excited. Every To me, it just looks like Saints at home is, is a good pick.
2: Never bet against Teddy Bridgewater. That's my golden rule. Now that we've gotten through your individual picks, let's get to the teaser where the real money is because you're 3-0 and there. I want to see if your streak continues And if people are smart, they will copy your teasers because they've been working like magic every week. What do you got this week?
5: All right, so the last couple weeks I've thrown one of my individual picks into the teasers, and I'm going to do that again this week and go Rams minus three against Tampa. Like I said, if I like a minus nine and a half, I love a minus three. I just don't see them losing this game outright at home versus Tampa. Minus three seems like a no-brainer to me, so that's going to be the first pick.
2: That makes sense to me. Like you said, if you like the Rams minus nine and a half, if you love the Rams minus nine and a half like you do, it certainly would make sense to take them minus three. Who do you have for the second part of the teaser?
5: The second pick, this one seems too easy to be honest with you. I'm going to go Chargers minus eight against the Dolphins. I mean, we've all seen the Dolphins pretty much gave up. They are, they are horrible. I mean, the Chargers aren't the greatest team. They're They're pretty good, but Minus eight at home against Miami, that should be slam dunk.
2: I honestly feel like every team the rest of the season, with the possible exception of the Jets, should be double-digit favorites automatically over the Dolphins. This is the most obvious version of tanking I've ever seen in the NFL. If that's how they want to play it, fine, but wow, I can't imagine anybody ever betting on the Dolphins in any of the games this season, so that's certainly a good choice. Craig, as always, thanks for coming on and sharing your gambling picks. Let's see if that streak with the teasers gets to 4-0. and In the meantime, I'm going to let you get back to moving boxes. Hopefully you don't throw your back out, so make sure that you properly hydrate and rest and stretch and all of that. If people want to get a hold of you, if you want a pleasant distraction from the moving and you want to talk to some people about some gambling, about the Jets, about poker, whatever else, how can they get a hold of you?
5: Sounds good. I'll try to stay hydrated with my Wendy's Frosties and uh, Spicy Chicken Sandwiches. That's usually what the doctor says keeps you hydrated, right? But anyway, uh, get a hold of me with uh, CMase86 at AOL.com and Craig Mason on Facebook. And yeah, anybody's welcome to send me a message on Facebook or an email, and I will get back to you as soon as I can.
2: As always, Craig, thanks for coming on. Looking forward to seeing if you go to 4 and O. Also, make sure that you contact Craig at cmase86 at AOL.com or friend him on Facebook. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turn turnonthejets.com.